Welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast. We are back. We did not leave, y'all. Today we are going to be discussing a really important topic, and we all felt like it was really important to have an episode where we dug into black women and homophobia. We're going to really explore, you know, what it is culturally that we struggle with um, in terms of acceptance and accepting um, the LGBTQIA community and, you know, what that means and where we should be going from here. I had an incredible conversation with black trans actress and activist and model Yari Jones, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear that conversation later. And we're going to dig into a couple of the topics that I chatted about with her and uh, and really go go into it. But first, let's introduce ourselves. Channing Hargrove. Who is you? Hey guys, I'm Channing Hargrove. I'm the fashion news editor at Refinery29. Larice McMillian. Hi, I'm Larice McMillian. Like she said, I'm our Instagram content strategist. And good old Raven Baker. It's me, Raven Baker, the associate social media editor for Unbothered. And hello, my name is Danielle Cadet, and I am the managing editor of Unbothered. Let's get into it, ladies. Let's do it. So, first thing I want to talk about is... You know, the fact that I, I personally use she and her pronouns. I am a cis woman and I am heterosexual. And just acknowledge my privilege in that in that body, in that space. And, and just, you know, just acknowledge that. Sometimes lines can get blurred, right? Because as black women, whether you have um, lesbian friends, gay friends, queer friends, we oftentimes have slang that we sort of use interchangeably between our communities, right? We take from each other, we use each other's language in ways that are very comfortable and we feel comfortable with that. But I do think that that can kind of blur the lines sometimes and oftentimes make it seem like we don't have homophobic attitudes when we do. Raven, mm. you are shaking your head, sis. Go ahead. I am. I think that a lot of black women, especially cisgender black women, um, often excuse their homophobia with their proximity to someone who belongs to the community. Mm. So my best friend is gay. The person who does my hair is gay. Mm. The person who does my nails, my wardrobe. But also I definitely want to call out the fact that if the only queer person in your life is providing a service, service. for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sis, your homophobia is shining bright. Mm-hmm. You're only tapping this community for things in which personally benefit you and mm. your personal brand. Mm-hmm. You're not embracing them. You're not uplifting them. You're not creating space for them. I also think that it's pretty trash to try to defend your homophobic rhetoric by sacrificing someone who is close to you you love. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to sacrifice a friend, a cousin, anybody in my life who is of the queer community to say, see, look, I can say these things Mm. because look, this person, I hang out with them all the time. Raven, you are really close to your family, which is beautiful. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some experiences that you've seen as, you know, throughout your life of like how your family deals with sexuality and, and has slight homophobia as well. Absolutely. I think that I've been really lucky as a native New Yorker to have an immediate family that's very accepting based on my region. And again, New York is not a always an accepting place, mm. but it's one of the more accepting places. Yes. And when I visit my family who may be from the Midwest or the South, because my family has deep roots in the South, in Alabama, and also in Ohio, which is in the Midwest, 
And as I've stepped into adulthood, you know, you start to hear those conversations that you wouldn't hear if you were at the, the yep. kitty stable. Yep. And I was disturbed by some of the things that I were, I, I was kind of disturbed by some of the things I was hearing my family say about other people in our family who identified as queer or lesbian or gay. And it really threw me for a loop because I always thought I belonged to this very communal, yeah. culturally affluent family who just understood the nuances of black life in America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just couldn't understand how, like, us as a family, we know what we go through every day when we're separated, going through our normal lives, right? And it's like, why? This person is us. They are us. Yes. They are of our blood, of our bone, of our family crest, all that, you know, hyper lineage, positive BS. And it's like... <laughs> Why would you then turn around and shun this person mm -hmm. when you, you know, if you want to have a, a religious moment or if you want to have a communal moment because of who they are attracted to? Mm -hmm. And I think that I was almost caught off guard because I'm like, what do I do as a young person to let my elders know that, that they are dead wrong, mm. period? Mm. And that's the thing that, like, that's difficult, right? Because I do think a lot of times we will give older people a pass right like old black ladies can do say whatever they want right but the reality oh. is like it's not okay it's, it's not, not it's not okay. it's not okay to just like let your old grandma say something messed up just because she's your old grandma you know what i mean i feel like for most of previous generations a lot of the way that they othered people who whose experiences maybe were not theirs is like through folklore mm. and like stuff that really if you thought about it just did not make any sense like well you know she's she's gay because she went to college and she got her hair like that and then you know she's gay because her her mom yes. her mom jumped up 16 steps you know that it's like that you know that it's like you know that it like really doesn't make any sense and it's like if you really thought about it you're like just it's, first of all it's not your business don't even need to comment on it i'm not sure why we do why mm. you think you're entitled to that right but i also think that for most people, it stems from a place of protection, mm. which is not to say that that is appropriate. 100%. But I do think that, like, they're trying to think of the easiest way for black people to move through this earth. The generations prior to ours had to deal with their own, had to protect themselves in their own way, mm -hmm. right? right? And I think, and that's in order to exist and and survive as a black person, you had to look a certain way, act a certain way, you have to be palatable, it could very well mean your life. And mm -hmm. so I do acknowledge that. Now, does that make it okay to be homophobic and nasty? No. no. It's frustrating because I think that um, the older generations of the black community tend to think that like queerness came out of left field or that it was <laughs> it was born in the 80s like mm -hmm. no people black men black women didn't wake up in the 80s and say oh my god i'm gay now i'm lesbian <laughs> i'm queer i'm questioning mm -hmm. that's not how that goes there's there was always queerness in our culture there was mm -hmm. always in africa right there's been queerness throughout our culture period whether it's in africa or somewhere else across the diaspora where we were dropped off you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like mm -hmm. there's always been queerness it's it's not new but also it's crazy to me that everybody's auntie and uncle want to be like oh you brought that mess over here da -da 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 -da. you bang around <laughs> them white kids da -da -da. The but yet it still want to stand Queen Latifah and Prince. Hello. Which who who I stand? Don't don't get it twisted. Legends but I'm just stand. saying, why Legends. do you pick and choose 
who you want to be prejudiced against. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you pick and choose who gets to come? Yeah. But it's one thing, and I'm not defending this, but I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? It's like, it's one thing to see it on the television. It's another thing for it to be in your house. I just don't think that there's a lot of our parents, aunties, whomever, who grandparents who are really ready to deal with it being in your home. But like people, I just people harass people all the time on the street mm-hmm. who they don't know whether yes. it's in the house or not. And yes. it, I think it comes from an insecurity. Oh, I agree. Yes. Because it's like, I definitely think that it is something different for older black folks to see it in the house. Right. But it's people being hurt on the yep. street who just literally are doing Kill. nothing but walking down and yeah. existing. Yep. Like, like you see somebody who is authentically themselves and you are not Hater. for whatever reason Hater. you lash out not that it's appropriate but i think that a lot of times with older people the that's what it is yeah because they're like out. oh well in my day you know i, I couldn't i couldn't do that queer queer in your day you. and right. before Nana. your day and they'll be queer after your day people mm-hmm. been queer people it's been queer sus that also like the older black generation borrows a lot from queer culture more than they would like to believe. Oh, yes. Those yeah. bell bottoms, those oh, platforms. Crop tops, mm, baby, jerry curls. Right. All that satin, all that silk. A straight person didn't pick that out. Obviously, the people who love us want to protect us. And again, like I said earlier, is that I do think our generations prior to us have had struggles that we may not have had, right? And like, and perhaps we have the ability to live in our truth, even though it is let me be clear, dangerous to do so. We may have a bit more of an ability to live in our truths today than we did, than they did, or than, than their parents did. Because the, the reality is that, like, maybe it was a little bit more difficult to be who you were as a queer person, as a black queer person. I am honestly really hesitant to, like, say this, but I, here it goes. Um, for me, it was always a really weird concept to compare the struggle i think it's it's weird to just compare any struggle period because there are just nuances to everyone's experiences mm-hmm. but it's just really weird and and personally not right to me to compare the struggle of a black person and somebody who is struggling with finding acceptance as an lgbtqia person mm-hmm. because in a lot of cases if you want to conceal your uh, preference or identity, you perhaps can for protection. But as a black person, if you were dark skinned, that's it. Like mm. you cannot present mm. differently. Right. With that being said, I do think that there is this warped mindset from the older generation where they do think that, oh, well, I'm protecting you, so I need you to conceal your gayness. When in reality, are you protecting them or are you hurting them by forcing them to not live in their truth? Is it almost is it not harmful to go your whole life not being able to Mm -hmm. be who you are? Mm. It is. Maybe I'm speaking out of privilege right now, but I just think that that sounds like a nightmare. Right. I know that expression is more accepted in 2019 right Mm -hmm. from a fashion standpoint from a beauty standpoint from a personal from a public figure standpoint right like people will accept you especially if you have high visibility in a a sturdy platform to stand on Mm -hmm. like you know if you got one million followers on instagram people will accept you no matter what you You look look like Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. but i don't know this is a challenging point of view, but I don't know that the world has changed in that aspect. And I don't. And while the older generation frustra- frustrates me in not accepting who has come after them, I think that the world hasn't changed much. Mm. Like 
because there are 20 year olds who have the same mindset of, as a 72 year old that's right. you know what i'm saying yep. and that's because they were raised by that person mm. or they identify with that hateful rhetoric right i do know that yes a lot more people can come outside as they are than they could you know 50 50 60 years ago but the the same circumstances and the same risk are still present ever mm. present mm. like death Abuse, violence, right, right, right. verbal abuse, verbal it's not assault. More right. Because the the resources available now yes. are just disgusting. And and let's be clear, the statistics, the numbers are scary. Like it is alarming the rate at which black trans women are being murdered. And if we are having a conversation about our lives and whether or not they're ma- they matter we can't all lives matter black people you know like yeah. that you can't th- just decide that somebody's not a black woman because they she, transition it, exactly yeah. and she doesn't fit your idea of what gender is mm-hmm. and and you know to that end i do want to talk about the you know cisgendered women cisgendered black women who struggle with accepting Black our black trans sisters. Like why why is that? What is that? What's there? Yeah, I think that a lot of times when it comes to black cisgender women, the only way that you can truly feel feminine because of how hard you have to be in your community mm-hmm. is because of your physical autonomy. Right. And when someone else who wasn't born like you assumes that physical autonomy, maybe you feel threatened. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really just the wording here that is getting us confused Mm -hmm. we're all black women right we all deal with the same barriers we all have the same issues when it comes to physical autonomy femininity when it comes to job access wage gap we share that and if anything i think it's more important to highlight that trans women have a harder time getting the things that we you know have um that we get out of the womb exactly we have naturally exactly and it is it is difficult because you you know we are so often as black women reduced to our physicality Mm -hmm. it is very much about what we look like, you know, are we thick, are we this and that, especially in the hip-hop community. Mm-hmm. I feel like the whole, I don't want to be generalizing, mm-hmm. but I feel like, yes, a lot of black women are homophobic, but I think almost even more black men are mm-hmm. homophobic. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is rooted in toxic masculinity. Yes. The feeling that, oh, I... uh I saw that such and such was caught with a trans woman and now they're gay and Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. Which one, if they're gay, so what? B, they're not gay because the trans woman woman is a woman. She's a woman. And three, it's not your business. It's not your business. But four, also, does that make you any less of a man like at all, anyhow? Like, how are you measuring your worth as a man? Absolutely. And also, why are you placing your worth on your gender? Yes. Yes. And how many times have we heard, like, black men be like, I mean, you just got to keep that over there. I don't want no parts of that. Or I'm not. Even on Instagram. It's like, oh, don't comment on my picture with no hard eyes if, if you're not a woman. Well, um, it's on the internet. You put right. it on a public platform, my guy. So I'm gonna take my heart dis- back. Yeah, and also most of you men are dirty. Nobody wants you. <laughs> you should be thankful that yes. someone put some hard eyes under yes. your freaking post. But Nasty to your and to your point, Larise, what does it say about you? Like, what are you? Are you somehow losing hold of your masculinity? Again, it's this Insecure. idea that like mm-hmm. that queer people, that trans people are somehow a threat to what you were born with. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's not trans people out here trying to grab your stuff from you. Like, right. I And I think, think the idea, fear. the perpetuation of that is really dangerous. Go ahead, Raven. No, I think it's fair because when you look at what we do to black men in the media who 
either date trans women who are who are women, but we are just too dense to understand that as a community. Mm-hmm. But also just like what the community that they make money in does to them. Yes. So if you're a, if you're a hip hop artist, you're a rapper, you're a producer, you're even an engineer, and someone thinks that suddenly you're gay, mm-hmm. not only are you going to be vilified on every bl- blog and gossip yep. site, yep. but now your money is going to dry up. They yep. did that people to work with. Exact. Oh my God, that's such a good example. Oh, they did that's that to great. Yeah. He had the num. He had the number one song. Period. Girl going up. Yeah, <laughs> on a Tuesday, and that sh- still knocks. Uh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. then he said, "I don't like women," and the world said goodbye. Other well, other but, rappers but called Ocean, him out. Though, we we tolerate oh. a lot of those odd future people. We tolerate too. So okay. I'm like, what's the difference? But because they their fan base, but their fan base is majority white. Yes, that's so yes. they don't really they're not relying on our money like that. But there's people now, even to this day, to your point though, even with um the Odd Future Gang having a, a mostly white fan base, there are people now who will even say, yeah, I like old Frank. Oh, that's You nasty. know? And yeah. like, and, and you know what it implies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You yeah. want to hear about Pyramid and like panties in the mirror yeah. and not like about stuff that really relates to his actual experiences. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Just, just whack. You not a fan. Goodbye. We've, no. we've touched on this a little bit, but I think we would be remiss not to, you know, dig into this is the role that religion plays in the black community. Absolutely. So as someone who went to Catholic school and was baptized as a, as a Baptist, I've heard a lot of homophobic rhetoric, especially in my childhood, that came out of the church. And I think that the reason why the church even has such a stakehold in the way that the black community views homophobia is because at one point it was the only place that we could congregate. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it was the black people were not allowed to congregate in large groups. It was the only place that we can we could go and have some sort of togetherness. Right. Yes. That's why it's literally called a church home. Yes. And yes, I think that at some point it just became the authority because it was the place you spent most of your time. Absolutely. Even as we moved away from that and a lot of people deviated from being super religious and became more spiritual or became um, non- non-denominational or atheist, there's, they just still have an authority on what the larger portion of our culture thinks, mm-hmm. right? It's just mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I think that it's just how much time we spent in it yeah. um, in the earlier formation of like black American culture. But now it's like you can't even go to church without your pastor jumping up out of his skin <laughs> to talk bad about some talk bad about a community that really mm-hmm. didn't ask for it, didn't deserve it. Right. No one asked for this, but here we are. Right, right. And right. I think that it's just people are more comfortable hiding behind religion mm-hmm. because they don't have to come up with the words. Mm. They just have to remember a, the sound bite. Mm. Pastor said, Ooh. deacon said, Ooh. and then they just fill in the blank and suddenly your argument is supposed to be over. Right. Valid. It's right, it, it's supposed way. to validate it because someone who stood above you in a pulpit said it, said and that it. it's so false. Absolutely, and I Damn think cold. exactly what you're saying about like options, right? Like, because at one point in time we were able to keep each other so close in this little box, and it was like, this is all you have, mm-hmm. all you have is God, you know, and this is where we're at, and this is what we can do. And once you deviate from that, that you are somehow problematic. You're closer in proximity to the devil, the devil, <laughs> as my grandmother says, and it's not okay. Right. But where do we go from here, y'all? Like, what are ways that we can address homophobia in our community? Larice, you always have a solution to a problem, sis. Why I'm looking at you. (laughs) Always. I am not a part of the community, but I feel really, really protective of the community Mm -hmm. because I'm really passionate about 
blackness. Yes. And I recognize that there are LGBTQIA people who are black. Yes. <laughs> and I truly do not believe that you can say black lives matter if you do not inc include that community as well. Amen. Because they are a part of our family. They yes. are a part of us. And so for me, the way we change is really just using your privilege and your platform to call that mess out when you see it. Yes. And I'm sorry, I have to be that person, but that also includes your problematic grandma. Mm -hmm. yes. Or your boyfriend. Check everybody. Check everybody. Check everybody. Because if you're going to be here for blackness, you need to be here for all forms of blackness. Yes, mm -hmm. period. All blackness. You don't just get to pick Idiotic. and choose and be like, oh, I'm only here for these black people. If you are here for black people, be here for all of us. Mm -hmm. If yes. you're here for Prince, you got to be here for Boo Boo down the street as well. Why his name Boo Boo? Not right. Boo Boo. That's Can a neighbor. My pretty name Quincy. Also, that's my oh, oh, Quincy. And he'd go by Q. Right? <laughs> Every neighbor I ever talk about is Boo Boo in theory. Okay. I do I do think it <laughs> I, do I can't think give real names. It's worth saying that, you know, we do have this very antiquated idea of what like gaining rights looks like for us, right? Mm. The most what we know to be the civil rights movement you know, and what that looks like. First of all, it's not even the the most impactful civil rights movement of our country's history. If, if you allow me to be a nerd for a second, the Reconstruction era was actually the most impactful civil rights legislation that was ever passed in this country's history. We just, years later, tried to get back all of those things. But we look at that time and we're like, okay, we need black men, black men who are associated with the church in blue suits to speak for us and represent our community. And black women got to be in the background. Ooh. Black trans women got to be in the background. Gay black men have to be in the background. You, these cannot be the people who are at the forefront of our community. So we need, we need to shift these narratives and we need to not pretend like there weren't queer people who were part of the civil rights movement. Like there wasn't a Bayard Rustin, like there wasn't a James Baldwin, like mm -hmm. there wasn't a Pauli Murray, a Lorraine Hansberry. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget people's names and not acknowledge the fact that like, to your point, Raven, we've been here. Queerness mm -hmm. has been a part of blackness mm -hmm. since quite frankly, the beginning of time. So let's not sit out here acting like my Randy wasn't a bad bitch. Thank you. Period. Come on. Say the name, sis. Bessie. Everybody. Everybody. Good luck trying to read a piece of literature written by a black person before 1960 and them Hello? not being queer. Come on. You Good don't deserve luck. it. And I, I, I think, you know, even to round that out, I think one of the biggest things that we can do is we can have conversations like this. Yeah. And like I said, we have a platform and I do think we have a responsibility to our community, our entire community, to to push everyone to see each other as human beings. Mm -hmm. And I hope that this conversation did that. So we have reached the Don't At Me segment, courtesy of our very own Raven Baker. Ooh, here I go. It's important to understand that both toxic masculinity, but also toxic femininity Ooh. is a part of homophobia in the black community. Mm. Just because you are born with female genitalia doesn't absolve you from your, tr your homophobic feelings. Until pro-blackness includes pro-trans, pro-questioning, pro-queer, we can never actually truly be pro-black mm. because as I said before, queerness has always been something that's a part of our culture. And until we call it what it is, we'll be in the same place. Stagnant. Period. Mic Likes. drop. <laughs> Don't at her. <laughs> um, <laughs> I spoke with Queen Yari Jones and I was fangirling the F out because she is a queen. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. Black trans actress and activist. Um, if you guys are unfamiliar, Yari has been on the con red carpet looking 
fierce and fabulous. Mm -hmm. She has Mm -hmm. called out Victoria's Secret for being transphobic and homophobic and fat phobic. She is out here doing the work for all black women. And we had an incredible conversation about, you know, just how we struggle with our community and what we can do. There are some zingers. There is advice. There are multiple words being dropped. There is all kind of incredible magic being shared. And that's after the break. Oh, I love her. I can't wait to listen. And we are here with the fabulous, fantastic (laughs) Yari Jones, who is a black trans actress and plus size model. Yari, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) So I'm kind of I'm kind of fangirling out. I I am constantly in your Instagram comments because you're (laughs) constantly killing the game. I'm still gagging over your con red carpet look. But thank you so much for being here and joining uh, the Go Off Sis podcast and being part of this conversation. Most definitely. So I'd love to jump in and just can you talk to us a little bit about your journey, um, both in Hollywood and in fashion, as a trans activist, as as a trans woman. I know that you've called out, whether it's directors, you've called out Victoria's <laughs> Secret, and you're so outspoken. And I would just love for you to talk to us about your journey a bit. Yeah. So um, I started in the industry really young. I've been in this industry probably for a good, I can say, 15 years now, just in and out of uh, theater, um, TV and film, and maybe in the last five years, modeling. I think what even got me started in modeling, I guess, was really trying to find the representation that I didn't have growing up, you know? Right. There were were no trans models that I was aware of or black trans models that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. There were no plus size or fat folks in TV and film. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to see that. The most I had for, I guess, uh, trans representation was like The Maury Show or like South Mm. Park, (laughs) like things like that, which are like awful representations of, of the women in our community. So I wanted to be that positive representation, that outspoken representation, and mm. and do it on a large scale. So I think maybe it was about three years now. You know, I took a little break from acting and, you know, did some self-journeying. Come on, self-journey. I love a little self-journey. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, came out as trans and, you know, hit the ground running. You know, mm. I, I really put myself out there. You know, I, I mm. knew people weren't going to just hand it to me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't going to be the girl who was spotted on the street and, you know, turn into, like, this this fashion model. So I was like, I'm going to do it myself. And, you know, I really just started putting out images that I loved that 
um, I could either be a part of or um, that I was shooting myself. You know, I came to New York as a photographer before anything, um, but really just trying to invest myself in changing the image of what beauty was, um, what being a woman was, um, what femininity looked like, and, and just really push that forward. And it led me to such a, a very fulfilling, let's say, <laughs> career um, mm. in both fields. Booked uh, and busy. Booked and busy. busy blessed really and you, moisturized, yeah. honey. Come on. Come on, <laughs> moisturized. Come on. And you are doing the work, sis, like truly out here doing the work. Tell me a little bit about like, you know, okay, you had that self journey. You came out as trans. Were you scared? I was absolutely terrified, you know, because of just that lack of seeing myself on TV or seeing myself Mm. in theater or seeing myself in magazines. I was like, after this transition, I'm not going to be able to work again. So Mm, I was absolutely terrified. You know, I was like, what am I going to (laughs) do? I've done this all my life. You know, I'm not a nine to five kind of girl. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, you know, it was something I had to do for myself to save myself. You know, there was no other choice. Um, so I just jumped into it and then continued to what I, to to do what I love. And, you know, I got my first film and then got my first TV spot. And then the magazines came. And, you know, I just really, just really embraced what was coming towards me and made sure that I was putting out an image that I liked, that I, that, that I didn't let anybody else control. And I was... That was my main thing about, you know, being in an industry as a marginalized person. Absolutely. Um, I didn't want to be nobody's fetish. I didn't want to be anybody's mm. token. Mm. Yes. Um, but I did want to make a mark. And, you know, sometimes black women, as trans women, as fat mm-hmm. folks, you know, we have to be those first sometimes, you know. And, mm-hmm. and some yes. people seems like, you're being a sellout. And it's like, no, I'm just trying to open the door, making a little room so y'all could yes. come in and run in. You know, I call it the, the infiltration system, you know. <laughs> you know, go in there a little bit, shake the room up, and then you, you glance and the whole room's black, the whole room's trans, the whole room's fat. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> that's I what I like to do. I live for a good term. The, I, I, I live for it. <laughs> the infiltration system. Come on. Well, I need to start using that. <laughs> Infiltrate, <But> I, y'all. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I love what you're saying here about just like, being what you wanted to see. But I do think particularly cis black women struggle with respectability politics Mm -hmm. and struggle with seeing that holistic, you know, seeing our community holistically Mm -hmm. and and really acknowledging, you know, the presence of our trans sisters. Why do you think that is? I I think a lot of it comes down to the the society we live in. You know, I think mm. with things like white supremacy and mm. um, Sajid Noir, it's like we, we're, we're all fighting to be in some sort of, like, hierarchical place, I guess, if you want to say that. Mm, um, yeah. And when you have a group of marginalized people all trying to fight for that spot, some people have to be pushed down, right? Is that that that's how that's how white supremacy works. That's how patriarchy works. You know, I think we once we break those down and see each other as, as our whole selves and as a mm-hmm. community um, of people that can come together and do great things. I think mm-hmm. that's how we kind of move forward. But we have mm-hmm. to break down these systems of how how close or what's the proximity to um, to to greatness. And right. what is greatness? Greatness is seeing how close you are to whiteness, how close you are right. to how close you are to being successful, how close you are to, you know, fitting the beauty standard. So I think mm. once we break 
back those. We could really do something, you know? I've seen rooms of cis and trans women really come together and create beautiful, like, work and create, you know, work that moves and work that makes a a mark. So I think if we continue to create these spaces where we can have conversation, where we can talk, where we can understand together, where we can cry together, where we can get mad at each other and, you know, really, like, let that be for us, I think we can definitely get somewhere. I think if we're being realistic, everybody struggles with any their own prejudices, mm-hmm. right? What would you want that person to hear? What would you want to say to help break down those walls? I, I think what we need to hear and what we need to understand is that, you know, it, it may seem simple, but we're like kind of on the same team. And just mm. what happened to you not even a hundred years ago, yes, like it can happen to the next person or what you're doing to the next marginalized person. Um, So it's like, you know, white folks didn't see you as women. So it's like Mm. for you to, 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 to turn around and say that to your trans sister is like, you're doing the same exact thing. So I think we need to understand that we're all in this same boat (laughs) doing, you know, trying to, to live our very best and truthful lives and definitely like trying to make the realization that something that it's trauma, I guess, something that somebody did to you, you're going to do to the next person. So really undoing that and um, yeah, and going forth from that. Ooh, that is a word word. Child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is a word. I mean, absolutely. And community is so beautiful. And when black women come together, there is, I, I truly believe there's nothing that can stop us. I say oh, it all the time. Not. I will bet on black women any day of the week. Like all my money, my savings, my 401k, everything. Totally. And even in our own community, like with, with our men, like cis women we need to like well cis women they need to like stop perpetuating this harm against you know trans women or or uh demonizing uh cis men for loving trans women you know like that's all part of the work you know you know taking those layers back of of love in our community and i think you know once we do that like a, a lot of good work can happen. A lot of a lot of positive movement in community can happen. You know that idea of black. What is black masculinity? Like exactly. how black masculinity, as it exists now, is largely a byproduct of our racist patriarchal society, and what we as black women have then been faced with is this idea that we have to protect the black man and Mm -hmm. hold up the black man and protect black masculinity. And how does that contribute to our own transphobia and homophobia? I have no problem. Let's let's say let's let's say that like there's no problem with black masculinity in, in the sense of protection and being there for your family and, you know, being like the caregiver, which which can be all across the board. But I think we need to stop adopting or holding on to toxic um, mm. masculinity and, and those behaviors. And I think we need, as black women, we need to really call it out um, and stop uh, allowing it to pass by. And this idea of boys would be boys or they're just men, you know, I think it not only hurts trans women, but it hurts cis women as well. Um, and we need to stop the this code of silence as well about it. Um, you know, I think that's something that runs through our community like, you know, like like poison. You know, this idea that we're not supposed to speak about it. And, um, and we live with it generationally. So it's like we need to like... We need to like break those down, um, and and I feel like once we do that, like we'll stop getting you know 
the anger that comes with being tried by white supremacy. And I think that's what a lot of it comes down to. You know, you have these black men who are, their masculinity is being taken away from them. And when you see that and they're being called feminine or they are, you know, seen as less than a man, you know, their anger goes towards anything that's feminine. So that's why you have, you know, domestic violence in the black community. That's why when you have um, boys, whether or not they're gay or straight, if they show any kind of, you know, uh, feminine energy, they're they're seen as lower or, you know, they're going to grow up to be a sissy and like all those other things. And I think that that stunts our growth, especially our, the growth of black men, you know, not being able to express feelings and not being able to cry and not being able to 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 come to their women and say, I'm hurting right now. You know, it, it once that's bottled up, that comes out. There's no other way to come out but anger. There's no other way to come out but violence. And, you know, usually that's geared towards anything that's, that's seen as a, a downfall of the community. And right now that's pointed at trans women, that's pointed at, at uh, our gay, uh, queer black folks. So, Yes, I think yes. we need to, like, you know, start from the top and, you know, unpeel that. <laughs> so much of what you're saying is sort of a result of um, a survival tactic, right? Yeah, because totally. I do, while, while I, I, I acknowledge um, the toxicity of respectability politics, I can simultaneously acknowledge that in a white society, conducting yourself a certain way four generations prior Mm. was about actually making it to the next day, you know? I mean, respectability politics is a huge part of the reason why black women, whether they know it or not, struggle with a homophobia or transphobia. Totally. I I think it it goes back to the idea of, you know, who's better for the top, you know? I I think that seems to be the root of it, like that we don't, it's not a competition for us, you know? It's not a competition in, in our community. Like, there's no... There's no race. And although masculinity and patriarchy and, you know, um, white supremacy places that way, we need to find that out for ourselves that it's not that. We need to find out that we are helping each other. You know, we need to find out that love from this man and uh, or love from this woman is something that's seen as great and that we're not prizes and that we're not pickings. I think we need to find value in, in, in ourselves and us as a community that like allows us to you know to to draw back on this idea that you know we all are trying to be crabs in a barrel and pull each other down to get to the top exactly i think within that like we need to really you know (laughs) yes get rid of some self-examination do some work exactly most definitely and and i think it takes a lot of that most definitely. Yes. No, 100 percent. I want to go back to um, something that you've touched on multiple times. It's just standards, right? The beauty standards, um, this idea that this is how we should look, act, whatever it is. You were very outspoken about the Victoria's Secret's fashion show Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this perpetuation of a very westernized idea of what beauty is. is. Totally. And can you talk to me a little bit about that and and why you felt that was so important to really speak out about that and to start to break down the toxicity of that narrative? Yeah, totally. So I think when narratives like that come out, first of all, they're untrue. This idea Mm -hmm. that trans women or plus size women aren't seen or aren't desired it's like it's like get down to the bone of it it's like it's not true you know right. if, if it was true you wouldn't have an array of companies that already 
push towards that of of plus size lingerie of you know of of trans women who are models who are lingerie models who are you know it already exists so yes. for somebody to come out and says they're not part of the fantasy it's like that's a lie sir <laughs> yes, right not true not yeah, true th- that's a lie <laughs> um and then it also eggs people on to believe things that are could be harmful, you know, towards mm-hmm. a community like that. So especially with yes. trans women, you know, the idea that they're not the fantasy, it just goes off to the next one. That means that they're not real women, goes off to the next one. Yes. That means that they're trying yes. to trick you. So it's just yes. like, you know, it kind of just like trickles down. And then what does yes. that add up to? Violence, you know? People see you as not a real woman or that you're trying to, you know pull a fast one on them and it's like all untrue most of the time people know who we are they seek us out even to go as far as pornography like you you see that it's 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 there you know there's there's people who desire big women there are people who desire trans women so you know to just sit up there and have a huge platform like victoria's secret i thought it was such a uncalled for kind of thing and 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 it was a lie you know there, yes. There's facts that go against it to make sure that it's that that there there it's a lie. <laughs> okay, come with the facts. Okay, <laughs> yes. the facts. Yes. I mean, you touch on something that I think I, it's it just resonated with me and something I do want to I, I want to explore because again, I think it's something that exists in our community in a very specific way. Is this idea of like hiding out, right? That it's like closeted that people oh, are yeah. not accepting that trans women are part of the fantasy or that fat women are part of the fantasy. And and we see this um, play out a lot in, or I've seen it play out a lot in the hip hop community, right? Most definitely. Like, it's come out that a DJ or, or, mm, a, rapper, or a rapper totally. or whomever has had, you know, ha- has a habit of sleeping with trans women or has, <laughs> you know, has been out on the streets pl- that, paying yeah, totally. prostitutes, trans prostitutes, whatever totally. it is, right? And it it shakes the whole community. Everyone's like, oh my, oh my God, God, this totally. person, this he, he's gay. He's, yep. you, let's talk about that. Like that, it just exists. It's in our community specifically. It's a closeted thing. We, we refuse to talk about it publicly it's almost like we have to hide it it's not something that we can comfortably discuss as a community what is that and and talk about how dangerous that truly is going back to what we were saying before like the idea of preserving preserving power within the black community so Mm. you know i i think the idea of speaking about it in a wholeheartedly way or speaking about it in in a very communal kind of space, you know, shows weakness, that you have a problem in your community, that you have something that's different than what the, you know, standard white community has. I think that's one reason why we don't talk about it, one reason why we kind of, like, everybody tries to, you know, push it under the rug, um, as we do. (laughs) Yes, yes. As we do. So um, I think that's where that stems from. And, you know, that adds to the idea or this hypothetical that, you know, trans people are being secretive or trans people are, you know, trying to to trick people or, you know, live their lives untruthfully, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of adds to it. When it comes to communities like, you know, the hip hop community and stuff like mm-hmm. that, I, I think a lot of those men who are, you know, like most definitely they know. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way around it. Most trans women, I can say probably like 95% of them are up front because of the dangers of, you know, 
being in a relationship with a cis man or, you know, having sexual relations with a a cis man. So most of the girls are upfront with it. And, you know, it is... It is, again, a lie that, you know, that these women are out there, you know, tricking them or mm. um, having or being discreet about their transness. Exactly that. Like it it adds to that same kind of violence. But I also think on a flip, if trans women don't want to, you know, disclose their transness, it's a it's a safety precaution. It's a, it's a safety yes. measure. And I feel like, you know, because trans women are seen as second-class citizens, you know, there's this idea that we have to do everything a cis person tells us to do. We mm. have to adhere to, like, to, to being so open that we have no um, autonomy. We have no, we have no sense of, like, you know, being being conservative, like so, we, we we can't we can't hold anything in. You know, everything has to be out in the open because we are seen as second class. You know, right. I think about this all the time. Like, you know, you know, I think cis people love a hypothetical. <laughs> I see Ooh. it all over Facebook. I see it all <laughs> over. But you know, what if she doesn't tell me for thirty years? And it's like, what person <laughs> you know is going to do that for thirty right. years? Right. Or or, you know, I can't date a trans man because, you know, I want I want children and he doesn't tell me until the eighth date. What trans man are you dating, ma'am? Right. <laughs> like, you right. know, so people right. love that hypothetical and that just adds yes. to the fuel. Yes. But yes. when I but yes. when I really like dig back and look at that stuff, it's like you wouldn't ask a cis woman about her genitals on the first mm-hmm. date. You're yep. not asking yep. a, um a cis man whether or not he could, you know, uh, get you pregnant on the first mm, date. Exactly. You're not, you're, not, you're not asking those questions. So why are you asking yes. those to a trans person, you know? Yes. Why do you feel the need that we have to tell you those things? Oh, that's um, so real. And I think, you know, like, if we respect people as humans yes. and get to know people as humans, and then you can make a choice from there, you know? Transphobia has nothing to do whether or not you're going to date a trans woman um you know, or spend your life with a trans woman, but it's about the option of, you know, giving her the chance to be a human, giving that trans man to be a, be a human. You know, you could be like, hey, this is not for me. You're a nice, great, you're a great person. On to the next, same as you do any other person, you know, but it automatically goes to violence, it automatically goes to, you know, shunning, you know, it automatically goes to killing. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of that contributes to that, especially in the hip hop community, you know, um, everybody's um, and again, going back towards, you know, how we identify sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. if he yes. was gay, he would be with a man. Trans yes. woman is not a man. <laughs> we have to like really like look at those points. Like you know, if, if she's a woman, she's a woman. You know, there's no yes. if ands and buts about it. So the Absolutely. fact that you identify because of her genitals or because of you know of her experience, and you know, we, we don't allow that person to be valid because of that. You know, that yes. adds to violence. That right, adds right, to right. men being having to like you know hide around and. Um, and not living their truth that that adds to you know have to get wipe the problem away and you know what does wipe the problem away mean does that mean i'm going to pay you off does that mean i'm going to kill you does that mean i'm going to harm you i mean i'm going to lie about you in in public 100 percent. and there's so many 
there's so many dangerous narratives that perpetuate that, right? Today, but there was a long time where this narrative of men on the down low, right? Mm-hmm. And because uh, heterosexual, cisgender black women are looking for partners, it's like, this is the thing that's acting against you, yeah, you know? And this totally. is the thing that's preventing you from, from having a partner, partner or having children or, totally. you know, being able to realize this dream that is also based in respectability Abilities. politics, oh my God, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, so, so oh much God, of this yes. is really rooted in these really dangerous narratives that we create that I, that I don't think we acknowledge how dangerous they are like you said there's real i mean there's real skin in the game here Most there definitely. are black trans women being killed every day at, every at, day at alarming rates and it's something that we you know we need to acknowledge as a community in order to move Most definitely. To, to move forward i think right now you know it, it was a problem before, most definitely. It was a problem before. And and it wasn't as, you know, high. You know, it was scarce, you know. It was coming yes. every other couple of months or like but now it's so often that we we kinda have to skip this process of, you know, of, you know, of trying to dig deep. You know, it, it we yeah. almost have to treat it like the same way you would do with your child, you know? Yes. Like yes. you love this person. You love your yes. community. You love your women. You love yes. you have to, you know, we have to buckle down and save each other, you know? Absolutely. There's there's no more thinking about it. There's no more I'm gonna pray about it. It's like, no, we have to do it now, you know, yes. because it, it it feels like, you know, we're we're on the the road to extinction, you know? Like that that's what it feels like. We have to do the hard work now, you know, like uh, and and even within our community, we have to do the work. We have to n- not be afraid to call out people or call in people, you know? Yes. To, to our black men, we have to not be afraid to call them out and not worry about, you know, will their egos be bruised? Will you know, like, yes. like we're past that now. We're, we're at a point now where people are dying really fast. And some of these people are the leaders in our community, you know? Anytime I see a march or um, a rally for black men who have died, it is black women, it's black trans women who are who are at the forefront of these marches oh. or the forefront of these rallies, you know, risking our lives for people who on a daily kill us, you know? So, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so we, we really have to be able to look back and for cis women, we have to... We have to save our sisters. I, I think. I mm. think. Well, cis women have to save their sisters. You know, everything can't be about um, in protection for for the men. You know, we yes. have to save each other, and yes. then we can do the work that we need to do as well Ooh. to save them. Yes. Yes. Mike, drop. I don't even think there's anywhere else to go from there. I cannot thank you enough for coming with the truth. Oh, I such am a pleasure. so, so honored to have you. Thank you for for sharing your time. And um, just thank you for being here, for being you. And thank you for the work that you are doing and the space that you are making for us as black women, for all black, black women. women. Exactly. You know, and it, it, it takes conversations like these to really open up the narrative of, of a positive relationship between trans women and cis women. And it can only, you know, go beyond and, and better from here. So. The Go Off Cis Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Jay Brunson, Anissa Richmond, and me, Danielle Cadet. It's edited by Anna Costanza with the help of Ethan Cannon. My co-hosts today were Channing Hargrove, Larice McMillian, and Raven Baker. Like what you've heard? Head over to iTunes where you can find all of the episodes of Go Off Cis. 
While you're at it, leave us a comment and let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started on Instagram at R29Unbothered.